All right, welcome back to another episode of Sully Sports Hub. This is the second half of a two-part episode. The other half is going to be on Clay's podcast at the Sports Mill. So uh, go listen to that uh, if you haven't before. Um, It's basically the same as the same as what you'll hear on this side. So check it out if if you can. Uh, We're going to be talking about on this side the Celtics and the Sixers series, and then the Suns and Nuggets, and we'll finish with a little bit of our playoff projection. So starting. Clay with the Sixers and the Celtics. Obviously, you're a Celtics fan, um, so you're probably going to have a little bit more knowledge about this series. It feels like to me that both of these toss-up games have gone to Philly. Those have been the two big Harden games. And then the other ones the Celtics have dominated, which should give the Celtics the edge if you're looking at this series holistically projecting forward. Is that how you view this series? Or or do you think that the Sixers have a better chance than, than that? I mean, I think the Celtics should win this series, and I think they're the better team. And that's not just from a bias standpoint. I mean, you know, it's funny that you said the two close games went the Sixers' way, and that's that's true. But you look at this last game, the Celtics should have gotten blown out. They played terrible for three quarters, and then it shows how good they are that they were able to turn it on finally and have a five-point lead with two minutes left. And then honestly, it's just embarrassing how they finish games. And that's really what's holding this Celtics team back is that you have Tatum, you have Brown, and somehow in big spots, the ball finds Marcus Smart's hands every time. He has he takes the game-winning shot. He takes the most important shot of the game. And I really don't see how you let that happen. And, you know, it's hopeful for me that the Celtics played as bad as they did and found that resolve to come back and, and have a chance to win the game, should have won the game. But it's also disappointing that if they're in a close game, they have shown me nothing that proves they can win. And to me, it just comes down to you have to put your best players in a position to win the game. And I don't understand why Mizzou didn't call timeout. And if he didn't, why they didn't go earlier there at the end of uh, the overtime. And it's just dumb mistakes like doubling and bead when you're up two at the end of the game. I mean, simple stuff, really. Um, so to answer your question, I do think the Celtics should win this series. But if they continue to get into these late-game scenarios, especially in a Game 7, I am going to be extremely nervous that the Sixers are going to win it. Yeah, and that, I think that's the craziest part of this series right now is that it, the the biggest worry for the Celtics is that James Harden is going to play better than them in the clutch. Like, what kind of world are we living in where that's what's happening? But yeah, like I think we saw this last year in the finals some. Like, the Celtics really are not a team where – when they have to take care of the basketball, when they have to make tough decisions down the stretch, it seems like a lot of times mistakes are made. And I don't know if that's because, you know, Tatum and Brown are not elite ball handlers or because, like you said, teams are content with leaving a guy like Marcus Smart unguarded to to take a three at the end of the game. I don't know if, you know, maybe maybe that's the issue there, but like you said, you know, a couple boneheaded decisions at the end of that game, and now we're tied 2-2. And that's the, the difficult part about this is I think the Celtics are the better team. I picked the Celtics to win the finals. But now it's a best of three. Now you get one dominant Embiid game, and you're looking at going home the next night. So the fact that they're in this position now, to me, is the larger issue because I still think they'll probably win this series. I think they are the better team, but the chances of that are just much lower now because of the position they put themselves in. Yeah, I mean, the way I look at it is the Celtics have no excuse not to make the finals. 
They are their own worst enemy. The problem is they're very good at beating themselves. They're they're very good at it. And until they start, I'm not going to blame it all on Coach Missoula, but I will say I think if Ime Odoka is the head coach, they're not down. They're not 2-2. Um, they just, at the end of games, really struggle to make the right decisions. And like you said, it's crazy we're living in a world where James Harden has outclassed the Celtics at the end of games. And credit to him for making the shots. But what scares me is that, obviously, Embiid is kind of working through an injury. I don't think he necessarily, in the playoffs, is the same player. I don't expect him. I mean, like, to me, game four is about as good as you're going to see him play with 34 points. Like, that's just his ceiling in the playoffs, in my opinion. But we haven't seen Tyrese Maxey play well except game one. The role players haven't played well except for DeAnthony Melton. And for the Celtics, everybody is pretty much playing well. Like, the really the only thing that you could say is that Tatum and Brown need to have bigger games. But is that going to happen consistently? Like, Tatum doesn't look the same as he did last playoffs, and Brown looks even better, but for some reason we don't recognize we need to get him more shots. And so it all goes back to my original point of, I don't know if the Celtics are smart enough to put themselves in a position to succeed. Smart definitely does some things that you have to have. He is such an important player for them, and it's easy to look at the stuff he can't do and say, well, why are you playing him? He does a lot of good things, but to me it's pretty obvious at the end of games that you would rather have Malcolm Brogdon or Derek White taking shots over him, and I don't understand why we continue to put him in a position to have the ball. So, you know, you said this is the conference finals. I would tend to agree with you. I think both of these teams are better than the Heat. But the problem is that I don't trust either of these teams to play together and to put themselves in a position to succeed. And in that regard, I trust the Heat over either of these teams. Yeah, and okay, I one thing I want to talk about a little bit is Embiid. Because obviously, I think most people think he's the best player in this series. If, if James Harden had not dropped 40 twice this series... Are we having a much different conversation about Embiid and the Sixers team? Like that that to me is a question here. Is like we, we have this whole like Jokic Embiid MVP debate. And then Jokic is the guy that seems to get discredited more for not winning in the playoffs, even though he has had more playoff success than Joel Embiid has. On the other side, Jokic is dropping 50 in a loss. And I'm not trying to just turn this into a Jokic Embiid discussion, but Embiid down the stretch just kind of fades. Like, I don't, part of that's just being a big guy. Like, it's it's hard. We talked about that with Anthony Davis on your podcast with the Lakers Warriors series. But they they know that if they double him, a lot of times he's not going to make the right decision. He's going to turn the ball over. Is, are are we a, a few bounces the ball away here from Embiid just getting, getting slander for being down 3-1 or even getting swept? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think so. I I am always of the thing that best player doesn't necessarily mean best player in a playoff series. Um, I don't think Embiid is the best player in this series, to be honest with you. I think I think Tatum and Brown are both better than him, and you can argue hardness too. Now, I'm not saying they're better overall players, but for a playoff series, to me, you can't. When have we ever been able to trust Embiid? Like when? When ever? And obviously he does so much for that team and he played really well in game four, but you're exactly right that the way that they play around him, we are very close to this being 3-1. I don't want to say they would have swept him just because I think it's hard to say they would have won games two and three if they would have won maybe game one. But 
I definitely think that the Sixers, if they end up losing this series, like the Hawks with Trey Young, need to ask themselves, how far can we really go with Embiid at the helm? Because I don't know if that answer is the finals. I really don't. At least it's him being the best player. Just because positionally, yes, there are limitations. But also because, like you said, if we're going to question Jokic, we definitely need to question Embiid a little more about what his ceiling is. So maybe I'm wrong there about Tatum and Brown are both better than him. But I think playoff-wise, like looking at what he can do in a playoff series, I'm not sure I want Embiid to be my best player. Yeah, I I would say with that, like I have no problem with Tatum. Like I don't think Brown is on that level that that can be compared to him. But in in a series, it is definitely possible for Brown to be better than Embiid. And the other thing with Embiid is he is always banged up this time of year. It just always happens, and that's not something I blame Embiid for. But that is something you have to factor in with him. Is this is something that we've seen over the course of multiple seasons now, where around this time of year, he takes enough of a beating, he plays in the paint enough where he is more likely to get injured than other guys. And that puts the Sixers in a tough situation. And they actually won the game that they played without him in this series. But right now, I mean, if you look hard in this series, is averaging 29 a game on 47% from the field, 42% from three. Um, Embiid is averaging 26, but it's on 44% shooting and 14% from three. Embiid, granted, Embiid's getting to the line a ton. He's making his free throws, but he's not playing very efficiently. And for a big guy, that's something you expect. Like you don't, center should not be shooting under 50% from the field. And I understand Embiid takes a lot of difficult shots. Al Horford made his life extremely difficult in the last game that they played in game four. But yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I think Embiid has been a guy that, you know, we always, you know, I think Rosillo talks about this where a guy doesn't perform. And then we ask the question, like, should we be more mean to Joel Embiid? But it just seems like he's gotten a pass for a lot of things over the course of his playoff career where other guys might not have. And I don't know why that's the case, but we're, we're at a series yet again, where the Sixers are in a great position here. This could all flip. If they win the series, nobody's going to be questioning Embiid, and he'll have a lot to do with that. But I'm four games into this series, and I'm still not super confident in his ability to play well night to night. Well, at what point, I think a lot of the excuse has been injury, right? He's always injured. Ben Simmons is there. It's his fault. Jimmy Butler, whatever. But at what point do you have to start factoring in the injury to him? Yeah, I mean, that's part of him. That's right. How he is. That's part of it. That's part of what you're signing up for, which in my opinion means maybe we can't count on him to be our best player. And I'm not sure that James Harden is the, the guy you want to stake that around then. So I think that you like you said, the two games they've won, it's been hard and go off games. And it's because in game one, they were able to play with the Celtics style. Uh, the Celtics are a pretty good antithesis to Embiid, which makes it frustrating for me as a fan that we're tied 2-2 because he doesn't like to move. He doesn't like to run. And guess what the Celtics have the ability to do? Get up and down the floor. And when they do that, they make the Sixers look like a much less less team. So to me, that's really what the problem is, is that it's so easy to counteract Embiid. Yes, oh, you see the block shots. You see what he does on the offensive end. But if you start moving him and you start playing with some pace, suddenly he becomes a liability. And to me, that's the issue. So I'm with you. I think, I don't know if I'm going to go as far as to say it's like, oh, Embiid is not a guy we can build around. 
But you got to have a guy besides him that you're counting on. And I'm not sure if Harden is the guy to stake that claim around either. Yeah, and here's where I don't want to get ahead of myself is like you have like Embiid is your answer. Like there is no other option for Philly. Like he's your best player. You extend him every chance you get because he's one of at least at worst he's like one of the eight best players in the league. He's probably better than that. But this is a legitimate question with him. Is is he a playoff basketball player? Can he win in the playoffs? And it's it's hard because he's still a great player, but it's clear that I don't think he can play as consistently on the same level. And like you said, if going into games five through seven here, we're we're asking the question like, okay, well, can James Harden drop 42 more times? Like, I love James Harden, but like, that's not a good place to be in if you're the Sixers. Like, that's not that's not the position you want to be in. Um, Harden's averaging 40 minutes a game. Like, he's, he's having to do a lot for this team. And, I mean, he, he he is gonna have to do a lot because especially late in games, it's hard to run your offense through Embiid. But if if Embiid is not the best player for the Sixers in these last two to three games, I don't think they can win this series. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think it's as simple as when you say you're the best player on the team, ultimately it's gonna live and die with you. And if the other if the rest of your team is not up to par, that's gonna show. But when you don't perform, then it falls on you. And like you said, do we do we really count on James Harden having 40-point games in two of these three? Probably not. I expect the Celtics to win game five. I just I don't think the Sixers, in my opinion, have what it takes to go into Boston after winning that game and win. So that means that we then trust him to win six and seven. It's possible, but not probable. Um, and so I, I don't know. The Celtics, like I said, have a lot of flaws, but I do think... So do the Sixers. The Sixers have a lot of the same problems. And I do think after this season, when they lose, if they lose, that there's going to be a long look in the mirror of what the direction is moving forward. Yeah, and one place where I think the Sixers can potentially get an advantage is the turnover battle. The Celtics have guys that turn the ball over. Marcus Smart has 12 turnovers in this series. Jalen Brown has 10. Jason Tatum has 9. The only other the only other Sixer... Um, that's similar to that level. Harden has nine turnovers in this series, but that's expected. He has 30 assists, so like that's that's expected. The other guy that has that level is Embiid. Embiid has eight turnovers in this series and only seven assists. And we talked about that he gets double a lot. He gets put in difficult situations. But the Sixers are already turning the ball over less than the Celtics are in this series. If Embiid can limit that more, play within himself a little bit more, that's a lot of possessions for this Sixers offense. And they're going to need that because right now the Celtics offensive rating in this series is 126.2, which is astronomical. That's that's by far better than you know any offense in the regular season. And again, small sample size, but that's the level the Celtics are performing at so far in this series offensively. And Philly is a good offense, but not a great offense. They're at 115. They have to figure out ways to manufacture the possession battle. If they can win the possession battle, you know they need to even up the offensive rebounding a little bit more. That's going to be how they win this series. And part of that is in B just playing smart and playing efficient because everything is going to go through him, you know, at, at moments in this series. So I don't want to put this all on Embiid. You know, there are other guys that are going to have to step up. I think Maxi probably needs to play a little bit better if the Sixers want to have a chance to win this series. But the thing is, the Celtics, to me, they just have so many guys they can throw at you that it's really hard for the Celtics to just throw up an absolute dud. And I think we kind of saw that in game four. 
they, they looked like they were playing horrible the whole game, but they turned it on at the end. They're just too talented to, to me to play a full game like that. So the Sixers, I think, have to, to ratchet it up a little bit. But also, to be 2-2 in this position is a great spot for them because I don't think that they have, have played at that level throughout this series so far. Yeah, I mean, if you're the Sixers, you're really hopeful. Um, this is the best chance you're going to have. So, I mean, I think it just comes down to are the Celtics going to play up to their level? To me, if the Celtics play like they can, they're the better team. But if Embiid and Harden play up to their level and they take advantage of some of the Celtics' weaknesses, they could win. So, at this point, I, I could definitely see the series going uh, either way. It's kind of yeah. where I landed. And anytime you get to this point, like, I think that's where you have to land. It's like, in three games, anything anything can happen. But yeah, like you said, going into the playoffs, that's how I felt was if the Celtics play their their best, I think they're the best team in the NBA. The question is, how often are they going to be able to make that happen? And I think that that really is to me the biggest question as we enter these last three games because that negates anything that the Sixers can do. All right, anything else you want to add on this series before we move on to the the Suns and the Nuggets? No, I think I'm good. I mean, I think I think it's pretty simple actually in that one. So. All right, let's move to the West. This might be the most fun series to watch so far out of out of the four series. Uh, the last two games have been pretty close in Phoenix. The Suns have won both of the last two to even up this series at 2-2. Game four was about as good of an offensive basketball game as you're ever going to see from the high-level guys on these teams. Devin Booker was just scorched earth 14 for 18 Uh, he shot very similarly to that in game three as well so he has just been extremely efficient he had 12 assists as well Durant had 36 Uh, he was 12 of 13 from the line so super efficient from there and then Jokic Jokic had 53 points and 11 assists Uh, he was 20 for 30 from the field 11 of 13 from the line the best players have shown up in this series and it's made it really exciting to watch we're 2-2 now. Chris Paul out with a groin injury. Probably not going to see him return. Is there one guy outside of those top three players on these teams that you think has a chance to, to step up and make a large impact in this series in the last three games? We've seen some the Suns change up their rotation some. Obviously, the Nuggets have more depth naturally. Uh, than the Suns do but is there anybody you think outside of these top three that can really step up and make an impact on this series because the theme of role players is something we've talked about throughout these two episodes is there somebody you think that can do that I mean to me the easy answer is Jamal Murray for the Nuggets especially because they're going to have two games at home here if they goes to seven he's a he has the ability to score up there with with Booker you know for for a game 35 40 points whatever it is on the Sun side of things I just don't think it's possible because they've learned at this point we can't trust anybody except Booker and Durant. You know, we talked about with the Lakers how they're trusting their role players and they're deferring like LeBron's playing off the ball. Durant and Booker can't afford to do that. I I just don't think they trust anybody else. And I don't think they have anybody else who can even really dribble. You mentioned Chris Paul. A big reason I picked the Suns is because I thought that in tandem with Durant and Booker, who have played exactly like I thought they would, Paul and Aiton would at least be able to help them a little bit. Well, that that's not happened. I mean, Aiton has pretty much become like one of their other role players, and Paul's hurt, like you said, and wasn't playing well anyways. So I think the formula for the Suns is they just have to hope that Devin Booker and Kevin Durant play like this for two more games. 
And obviously, if you can withstand a 53-point Jokic game, then you have the ability to win the series. And we've, like you said, I think the role players is a good discussion for this one because all I've heard this year is, well, the Nuggets finally have a full complement of players. They finally have you know, their full roster and they're ready to go. All right, where are they? You know, where is Aaron Gordon? Where is Michael Porter Jr.? Because he hasn't played well. Porter Jr. looks like he should be a fifth option on a team. And that's just a lot of pressure on Jokic once again. And, you know, you brought up the Embiid and, and the Jokic uh, discussion. I don't see how anybody watching these playoffs can't see that Jokic is a better player than Embiid. It's, he just is. Now, you can say Embiid's scoring is as good, but overall for what they mean to a team, Jokic does so much. He had 53-11 and 11 in a playoff game. I don't think Embiid is ever doing that. Um, and so to me, it's really just going to come down to it's it's simple as can Booker and Durant score 40 in two games going forward? Can they score 36 like they just did? And can Jokic get any help? And whoever does that in the two games is going to win the series. It's as simple as that in my opinion. Do you know what Jokic is averaging so far these playoffs? It is like points, rebounds, assists. Like total stat line? Yeah. It's got to be like low 30s, uh, probably like 11, 11 or 12, 11, 11, 30, 11, it's, 11. It's 30, 13, and 9. He has 30, 30, or 31 points, 13 rebounds, 9 assists. It's like in the regular season – he tends to play a little bit more passively, let his other guys go to work. He only averaged 25 points a game in the regular season. But he is one of the best scorers in the NBA. Like, when this guy wants to score, I mean, he is making Aiton look horrible on the defensive end. And Aiton is not a bad defensive player. But, yeah, Jokic, I mean, there's, I, I can, at this point, like, I can see an argument for he's the best player in the NBA. Like, I, I'm not, I don't know that I would have him there. But to me, he is in that group of guys where you can make an argument for it. And I think the point you made about the Nuggets bench is important. In game four, the, the three bench guys that played, Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, and Christian Brown, were all uh, a minus 10 or worse. The starters were all positive except KCP. So when the Nuggets have had, and you know it's one game, I'm not going to overreact too much, but when the Nuggets have had their starters on the court, they've been able to outscore the Suns. On the other side, What's really interesting, the worst plus minus in game four was DeAndre Ayton with a negative 13. Durant was zero. Booker was negative one. The guys that were positive, Landry Shamit was a plus 15. He had 19 points. That's the kind of role player performance you were talking about the Suns don't usually get. That's what put them over the edge in this game against the Nuggets was Landry Shamit knocking down five of eight threes. Jock Landale, the replacement for DeAndre Ayton, a plus 16 in 21 minutes of basketball. That, to me, is going to be really interesting to follow as this series goes on because there might be a case to make that Lando is going to be the more effective player in this series than DeAndre Ayton. And that, I mean, Ayton is going to have a fit if he continues to play less minutes. He only played 27 minutes in, in Game 4. But if Lando truly is the more effective player, then, then maybe he has to play more. You know, Shamit played 30 minutes in, in Game 4 as well. Uh, so that's that's going to be interesting to follow as this series goes on because the Suns are desperate for guys, especially with Shamit, that can just knock down open shots. Because right now, with the way Booker and Durant are playing, and we probably should talk about Booker a little bit here, with the way Booker and Durant are playing, those guys are going to get open shots. I mean, Booker, you saw in Game 4, 
they doubled him and he just shot over it and hit a three, like contested right in their face. That's the level he's playing at right now. So guys are going to have open shots. So whether it's Shamit, whether it's a few other guys on that roster, you know, whether it's a Terrence Ross, one of those guys, that's, I think, what the Suns need is just can their other guys hit open threes. Yeah, you're right. I, that was what I was bring up is the Booker performance. He's averaging 37 points in the playoffs, which <laughs> is just insane. Um, you know, you can talk all you want about the Mavericks series last year, you know, whatever. That was bad, but he's proven he's a really good player in the playoffs. And it's funny to me that no matter where Kevin Durant goes, you know, it was just expected that he was going to come in and be the guy for the Suns. He's once again the second best player on this team. Now, he was he was probably the first best player on the Warriors, but he is still Curry's team. But Booker is the best player on this team, and to me that's not even an argument. I mean, he's 34 for 43 in his last two games. I mean, I would say that 99% of the world cannot go out in a gym and shoot 34 for 43 from anywhere on the floor, and he's doing that in the playoffs. And so he deserves all the credit in the world, and this kind of goes back to what I was talking about with the Embiid thing. Um, Devin Booker, to me, is in the playoffs right now. I would take him over almost anybody. I, definitely anybody on the Celtics right now. Definitely anybody on the Sixers. To me, Jimmy Butler and him are in that conversation for who would you want on your team right now in the playoffs. Um, and he deserves all the credit in the world. He can score at every level. He actually plays hard. People don't think he's that good of a defender, but he's not a bad one. Yeah. And so, I mean, to me, if you're ranking performances in the playoff right now, everybody would probably lean towards Jimmy Butler. And that might be right just because of what they have on that team. But that, there's nobody playing better than Devin Booker, and he deserves all the credit in the world because as much as Durant is there, they're not 2-2 if Booker is not playing like he is. Yeah, and that's that's the thing is I, I think Durant is still the better player, but Booker has been the best player so far in the playoffs. And right. that's, I mean, he's averaging nine assists a game, which to me is the most impressive part because I am somebody that's always been lower on Booker, I think, than consensus. And part of that is because these I am just not a huge fan of the guards that take a lot of mid-range shots and don't create offense for others like that to me is something that some it, it, it a lot of times leads to less efficient offense but right now Booker is shooting 64 percent from the field and 57 percent from three and with Chris Paul out he's averaging nine assists a game taking over some of that playmaking role like this is everything you could ask for from him to show you um both him and Durant might just collapse of exhaustion by the end of this series uh Booker has taken 91 field goals Durant has taken 96 in four games so they're averaging like almost 25 shots a game on Durant's end Booker closer to 20 um I mean the team has only taken like 350 shots so they have taken over half their team shots in this series the next highest guy with field goal attempts is DeAndre Ayton at 33 um, so they're completely carrying this team. Both guys are shooting great from the free throw line. So, yeah, I the the thing that impresses me so much about both these guys and Durant, as as I've watched in the past few games, is they are they can get to their spot whenever they want. And, and maybe even this might be a Durant point more than a Booker one, but I do not think Durant gets credit for how quick and agile he is in his ability to get to spots on the court. Because he will go full speed into the paint and then he can just stop on a dime and hit a fadeaway over a guy. And it's impossible to contest. And for the Suns, I think that's been so important for them because 
they really don't have ways to just like get points out of their offense. Like it's just pass the ball to those guys and let them go to work. And they've been able to do that the entire series. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right because the role players have been so bad around them. I mean, Aiton is is not even a factor anymore, which is sad to say. But, I mean, it really is. Those two guys, if they don't score well, they have no chance. And that's what's comforting for us like a Celtics fan is like we have options outside of Tatum and Brown. But, I mean, it's been amazing that the consistency they've been able to play at. Both are averaging 30 points a game in the playoffs. And, I mean, I mentioned it at the top, but I think they're going to they're gonna score 30 every game. You can just kind of pencil that in. I mean, it'd be a shock to me if one of them had a really bad game. And so it comes down to how much is Jokic going to have to do if Murray can help him and then Porter Jr. can make some shots and Gordon can make some shots. It's going to be hard for even Durant and Booker to overcome that. But if you had to, you know, gun to my head right now, who I think I trust more, it's probably Durant and Booker. Just because I don't know if the Nuggets can... In a in a really tight high you know high stakes nerve wracking circumstance, if anybody except Jokic could rise to the occasion, so my son's pick is looking better and better. But I mean, I still don't trust this team. But it's just Durant and Booker are playing so well. Yeah, and I'll say like I think going into the playoffs on your podcast, I had the Suns making the finals. Going into this series, I thought the Nuggets were going to win. Um, I after the way the Suns looked in the first round, after how impressive the Nuggets looked in round one, I changed my mind on that. And after two games, I still don't really know where I'm at. I, after the first two games, I felt really confident about the Nuggets. Now with the way Booker and Durant are playing, it feels like a lot more of a toss-up. And I I will say, I, I think Jamal Murray is a guy that has shown that he steps up in the playoffs. Um, it seems like this year, he's at, he averaged 21 a game. So far in the playoffs, he's averaging 20, uh, 26 in this series. So he's a guy that I do think is able to take on an increased offensive load as as the playoffs go on, which I think is important for them because with a lot of their other guys, there's questions about how much offense you're going to get from them night to night. But this Nuggets team is a really good basketball team, and they've they've been one of the most consistent teams throughout this season, throughout the entire playoffs. Um, they are... They're turning the ball over less than Phoenix in this series. Their offense is more efficient than theirs. They're getting a higher percentage of offensive rebounds. This really comes down to can Kevin Durant and Devin Booker carry this Suns team over the finish line? Because all the numbers say the Nuggets are the better team. I think they've been more consistent. Jokic still probably can make an argument that he's the best player in this series, even with how Booker's played. Jokic is averaging 37-14-10. and 10 in this series on 57% from the field. So even with how well Booker's played, you can make an argument he's not the best player in this series. But that to me is the question is, can Booker and Durant get this team over the finish line? I'm really excited for the last three games of this series because these guys, I don't know that they're slowing down anytime soon. I think you might see Durant even you know play a little bit better as this series goes on. So yeah, it's it's going to be an exciting series for sure. And um, I, are, are, is there anything else you're looking for in this series as we, as we wind down in the last few games? No, I don't. I mean, I really do think this series is going to go seven. So it's just going to be who plays better in that game seven, in my opinion. So like you said, really interesting series. All right. So we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to give you kind of our second chance bracket with with where the series are currently at. We're going to pick the winners of those series. And then we will, you know, pick the conference finals and the finals from there. Clay can, you know, make his own quote-unquote bracket I'll have my own quote-unquote bracket 
Um, and we can talk about that. And I think what this is going to show us again is that this is still extremely wide open because there's a chance that we have, you know, different teams in multiple series, uh, different teams coming out of each conference. So we'll take a quick break, and when we're back, we'll, we'll break down the the how we project the the playoffs to unfold. All right, we're back from that quick break. We're going to give you our predictions here for how the rest of the playoffs go. Obviously, none of us were perfect the last time. Milwaukee kind of ruined that for us right off the bat, but maybe we can get it right this time. Uh, we're going to start with the Heat Knicks series. I don't think either of us will have much disagreement on this one. Um, the Heat are currently up 3 1. The Knicks seem to be drawing dead offensively uh, for the most part. The Heat have been the more complete team. Is he, I think they're going to move on, Clay. I assume I assume you agree. Yeah, I just you know I just don't think Jimmy Butler and that team are going to let the Knicks win three games, and it's as simple as that. Yeah, if I, I think really the only thing is if Randall just becomes a completely different player the last few games, but I've seen nothing that would that would indicate that that's going to happen. So yeah, I think we both think the Heat will move on to the conference finals. Uh, now one that's a little more complicated, I think. Um, Celtic Sixers. We, I think we both agree the Celtics are the more talented team. However, the Sixers find themselves in a position where they have a legitimate chance to make the conference finals and then make the NBA finals. And it doesn't take a ton. Harden can have a couple good games. Embiid uh, can can turn up the performance a little bit, and they're going to be right there. Um, so, so how do you see this series unfolding? I do see the Celtics winning. I think as much as we want to criticize them for Game Four. The Sixers let them back in that game, and the Celtics kind of took it. And then, you know, you can say the Celtics shot themselves in the foot at the end, but they have two games at home. Uh, I mean, it's not like the Sixers have proven themselves in the playoffs either. They kind of melted last year against the Heat. So I would definitely favor the Celtics. You never know with Embiid if he's even going to be able to stay healthy. Uh, I do trust Tatum and Brown to have good games, and I I think they have a deep roster around them. Honestly, I think... The Celtics have a good thing because they can win on the road. They're never going to go into a place and not think they can't win. Problem is, they're also not invincible at home. They can be beaten at home. But that being said, I think they'll win game five, and I think there's a good chance if they play well, they could win game six and win at six too. So I'm kind of bullish on the Celtics. I, even though they struggle late game, I don't think the Sixers have what it takes to beat them. Yeah. I I am going Celtics too. I picked the Celtics to win the finals. I think I'll like that might end up be what I what I stick with here. Um, I just think they're the better team. I don't think we've seen anything over the first four games that would convince me that they're not the best team in this series. Still, um, what we've seen is Harden be able to have individual performances that have propelled the Sixers over the top. But that has not changed the way I feel about the Celtics as a team compared to the Sixers team. The only thing that concerns me is that I feel like this is the exact same thing I was saying last year during the finals, where as the Celtics were playing the Warriors, I kept watching them and like, I think the Celtics are the better team. I think the Celtics are the better team. And then mistakes happen down the stretch. You know, Steph is great. The Warriors win the finals. Now, obviously, the Sixers do not have a player like Stephen Curry on their team right now. And I think we we talked about that some when we talked about him beat earlier. But that's the only thing that concerns me is we just continue to see the Celtics not play up to the potential that we think that they can. But I believe the Celtics are the better team. I think they're going to win win this series. Yeah, I mean, I would be shocked if uh, 
I would be shocked if they lose. I'd, I'll just say that. I, I don't. I just don't trust the Sixers, even with them tying the series up two-two. Yeah, to me, depending on how they lose, I think would determine how shocked I would be. Like if 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 the Sixers just outplayed them, I would be shocked. If Harden just goes for forty again, like okay, I guess Harden's just gonna have the best series of his life. Um, but yeah, if the Sixers came out and like Embiid was just better than everybody on the other team, uh, Maxi was elite. PJ Tucker has a great that that to me, I would be very surprised. Like you said, okay, we get to the conference finals. We both have Celtics Heat. You seem to like the Heat a lot more than I do, so I'll go first because I think everybody knows where I'm gonna be here. I think the Celtics are gonna win. I think they're going to roll. I still, I don't know. I might just be saying it until the Heat win the finals. I still am not fully bought in on this this Heat team. I just, to me, the the calculus I'm doing in my head is what is more likely, that the Heat are actually this good or that the Knicks are just not that good and the Cavs just weren't that good. And that is where I, I think I lean the Celtics will roll. Now, I could see you make an argument. You know, the Heat have been here before. They did it in 2020. They made the finals. They were they are a pretty similar team then to how they are now. Um, I definitely think you can make a case that the Heat are better than than where I where I see them at. But to me, that's the thing is that I wasn't a huge believer in this Knicks team to begin with, and but I clearly severely overrated the Cavs. Um, and, and now I don't know that anything has changed with the Knicks. I still don't know that they're that good of a team. So once the Heat take a big step up in competition and they play a team that is as versatile as them in the Celtics, but just severely more talented, I think it's going to be a tough matchup for them. Now, like we've talked about, Butler can be the best player in this series. But to me, if Butler's the best player in this series, the Celtics probably win in six games. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on this series? I do think the Celtics win. Uh, get that out of the way but I I for all the reasons we talked about we're nervous about the Celtics and I'm very confident that the Heat know who they are I do not think it'll be an easy series I, I think at least you know Celtics have home court advantage so I could see them winning in five but I also wouldn't be surprised if they win in six on the Heat's four because they can win on the road I just um I really have a lot of faith in this Heat team to be able to control a game. And if they get up in a game, it's going to be a fight to the finish. And the Celtics have proven they can come back. But um, I am with you that the Knicks are pretty bad. Like, this is not a team that should be in the second round of the playoffs, in in my opinion. I think the Cavs were just, you know, they have their own issues. But the Heat, to me, do present the Celtics some problems because they play physical, they turn you over, which is the Celtics' nightmare – but the Celtics are supremely talented, and they have the they have the ability to stop Butler, which for some reason he seems to be the hardest player to guard in the playoffs. And the Celtics, I'm not saying are going to shut him down, but they do have the ability to, to kind of weaken him a little bit with the options they have to throw at him. So I'm with you. I think the Celtics are the better team. But we saw this last year where the Heat really had no business being in that series with the Celtics. And then it went to seven games, and Jimmy Butler had a three to make it to the finals. So... I don't think it would go seven games, but I'm also not to the point to where I'm going to say the Heat can't win the series. So that's where I am at with the Celtics. If the Celtics would have swept the Sixers, I would be like, oh yeah, you know, five games max. But the Celtics haven't proven to me that they're, you know, a championship level team yet. 
Is there anything you think that the Celtics or the Heat can learn from last year's matchup? Probably more the Celtics in this question that can help them play better this year. Because I think, like you said, last year, everybody thought the Celtics are way better than the Heat. Why are the Heat able to stick around? Is there anything you think they can learn from that that where this year it'll be easier for them to close out that series? Yeah, I do think so. I mean, one thing they struggled with a lot last year was just the physicality of the game. Tatum just got beat to a pulp, and I was on here saying he has to finish better. He's cleaned that up a lot. Now, if you watch that game four, Tatum still misses wide open layups, and I don't, <clears throat> I don't understand why. I, I don't, I don't get it. Um, but I do think he's gotten more physical, and the team has as a whole. Um, I think Bam really gave them problems last year. Jimmy is going to do his thing, but I think they have to figure out a solution for Bam. Not because they, what the Heat would do is. All right, we're just going to kind of give the ball to Bam at the the elbow, and we're going to let him work out Horford, and that worked for a lot of the series. And um, I think maybe the Celtics will be a little more ready for that. So yeah, I, w- I do think the physicality part part of it is just the biggest difference. Is the Celtics have more options this year to combat that? But um, I would not be surprised if it's another grinded out series. Yeah, maybe maybe that means that Rob Williams is going to have to step up a little bit in this series if if Horford's not the answer for Bam because Horford or Horford uh, Williams is a guy I think that can uh, hang with Bam in terms of athleticism. He's not as strong, but he's a guy that is as athletic. So yeah, that that's probably an interesting matchup to watch. So I think, all right, with the East, we both think the Celtics are going to make the finals. Now. Um, I don't think that's much of a surprise. I'm probably a little more confident in them than you are against the heat. Let's move to the West. First, let, let's start, let's start with Lakers warriors. It's three, one, this one, to me, I I am much more confident the Warriors can come back than I am the Knicks. But that does not mean that I am confident that they can come back. I, I think the Lakers are the better team. We talked a lot about that, that their roster just seems to be better right now. They have more role players that are able to step up. I also think now, one thing that I, I wanted to talk about earlier and forgot to is LeBron is it seems like he is just like so calculated in every little bit of energy that he exerts during a game. And now that they're up 3-1, I think he is going to be able to do that even to a higher degree where if he senses that, you know, game five is not going their way, they're down 15, he might just take his foot off the gas and then get ready for game six and come out guns a-blazing and in the series. I think that puts him in an advantageous position. Now, obviously, they're going to be motivated to close this out as soon as possible because they could have a, a huge rest advantage against the Suns or the Nuggets in the, in the conference finals based on how that series is playing out. But I, I think LeBron knows how to manage these types of situations. And the Lakers have just been the better team. Now, obviously, Steph's, I think, the best player in this series. If he brings them back from 3-1, it, it wouldn't be impossible to me, but... I favor the Lakers in this series, obviously up 3-1. What, what do you think? Yeah, I think you're right about the LeBron thing. And because of that, I think they should go after game five with everything they've got. Now, they may not do that, but to me, the Warriors, yes, they've come down from 3-1 before, but we just talked about this is not the same team. And to me, they're yeah. they're dead. They're dead men walking. And Curry's looking around like, you know, there's a report that came out that Poole was, was talking in the locker room to reporters after the game and that the Warriors were like real – tension um to me if if the lakers come out in game five and and get up early the warriors could just give up because clay doesn't look the same he has terrible body language he's always had bad body language but it's terrible now 
Uh, you, you never know about Draymond. And if Curry is off at all, to me, the, the Lakers need to get as much rest as they can because, as I mentioned, I think the other series is going seven games. So I think the Lakers are going to win, and I think they should do everything in their power to get game five. Yeah, and the the Lakers, too, It I don't know, like, I last series you saw what happened when you let Steph get to game seven like the Kings got to that point and then Steph put 50 on you and you're just not going to be able to answer that that could happen again this series if it gets to game seven Steph is good enough to singularly win a game I don't think he is a guy that is I I I think I don't know if he can play three great games in a row at that level because he will get exhausted like he that is going to be so physically taxing so much attention is going to be devoted to him so like you said if they can come out if the Warriors are are a little flat in game five I think that provides a great chance to me the one that's obvious like game six at home if the Warriors have to spend a ton of energy in game five you come into game six at home you have to close it out there because you cannot let this get back to the chase center in game seven with Steph with a chance to close out the series you just can't let it happen that to me is is the important one for the for the Lakers to get it done there any other thoughts on this series no I mean I think it's I think it's pretty much over but like you said if they do let it get back to a game seven it then it becomes a different story yeah I agree I I think the Lakers are going to close this out I think LeBron will have at least one of the three games where he's too good Davis Davis might have a bad game but then the next game he'll have 30 so yeah I I think the Lakers are going to close it out it would be pretty funny if after all of the Warriors LeBron things if this ended with the Warriors now coming back from 3-1 after what happened in 2016, but I do not think that's what we're going to see. Um, all right. Probably the most contested series now that we'll close on with the conference semifinals, the Suns and the Nuggets. We obviously talked a lot about the Suns' reliance on their two stars. The Nuggets, a little more complete of a team, but Jokic still matching those guys in terms of performance. What are your thoughts on who comes out on top in this series? Like I said, I think this series is going to seven. I just don't see the Nuggets beating the Suns two games in a row. Now, I could be completely wrong because, like we mentioned, the Suns don't have much besides Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. And let's be honest, we're a Kevin Durant injury away from this being over. I mean, he's definitely prone to that. So before I make any predictions, let me say that if one of those guys gets injured, obviously I think the Nuggets are going to win. And that's another thing that we get. We need to give Jokic credit for is he doesn't get hurt. He's always out there, so you can always. And that's what happens when you don't jump, by right? Him. Like his his style of play lends itself to that. Like it's the opposite of Embiid, where Embiid's like barreling towards the rim, right. taking a tight contact. Jokic just fades away. Like it's it's just how he plays. He's not going to get injured as much, right? And you don't flop. I mean, Jokic does flop, but he does. I mean, Embiid takes the hardest falls I've ever seen for a seven footer. I don't I don't understand why he insists on falling, but anyways. I think that this game is going seven, and I kind of hinted at it. To me, I trust Devin Booker and Kevin Durant to perform more than anybody on the Nuggets outside of Jokic. And I don't know that Jokic, maybe he proves me wrong, but he will have to score like 40 in that game seven if if Durant and, and Booker are going. And that's a lot of pressure on him to do so. So this is tough because I could so easily be wrong here, but I'm actually going to say I think the Suns win at seven. All right, that's good because we disagree on one of them. So, yeah, I'm going to go Nuggets. I I think for me what the, the the math in my head, again, is 
the the Suns have had to have about as good of Devin Booker performances as you can possibly have, and they barely tied this series up at two two. I I just feel like what the Nuggets have done throughout this series is more replicable in the last three games than the Suns. Now, if anybody can keep this pace up, it's Devin Booker and it's Kevin Durant. So I definitely think it's possible, like you said, that Booker and Durant are enough to overcome Jokic and then the Nuggets supporting cast doesn't give as much help. I I really trust Jamal Murray in these situations. I think he can, can help a lot. You're probably going to get a game where Michael Porter Jr. goes four of six from three or five of seven uh, because he is that kind of shooter. And I just... I just trust the Nuggets as a basketball team more than I do the Suns. Um, so I think I would go Nuggets in seven. Again, it really just comes down to whether Durant and Booker can continue this ridiculous pace that they're on. Um, but I I have a difficult time. Like Booker could still have 35, but that doesn't mean he's going to be doing it on 80% field goal shooting like he has in the past few games. So I, I think I would give the edge to Denver. The other reason for that is just that they have home court. They have the two games at home compared to one in Phoenix. And in the first two games of the series, Denver was able to win pretty handily in those games at home. So I, I give the edge to them as well uh, there. Comple- the other interesting – sorry, go Completely ahead. fair. I mean, it's completely fair. And I I mean, like, it all it takes is one bad game from those guys and the role players, you know, continue to play bad. It, you know, the Nuggets win easily. But – I think one thing too is Durant had a good game uh, four efficiency wise, but he hasn't shot the ball efficiently yet, yeah. and it's still scoring thirty. So that's what gives me some hope is that if he goes off one game where he actually is scoring efficiently, uh, then watch out Nuggets. Also, they are playing a lot of minutes, so that's where it does scare me. If I'm the Suns, is that the Nuggets have a lot more ways to kind of conserve energy than the Suns do. Yeah, and that's the Durant thing is super important because yeah, like you said, Booker like it is impossible for Booker to be more efficient than he is right now. Like it it just can't happen. Durant, that's not the case. Like Durant has, like we said, I think he's taken more shots than Booker in this series. So if some of those shots start to fall, I remember I think it was Game Four, but it might have been Game Three. Durant had a lot of good looks that just didn't go in, and if those start to fall more, then I think Durant really is the guy. That I like if I had to make a prediction now, I think Durant outscores Booker the rest of the series, and I, that is what Phoenix needs, uh, I think, to to win this to win this series because I also think Booker needs to be a little more of a facilitator now with Chris Paul out of the series. But yeah, this one this one's gonna be great. I'm really excited to see how how this one ends because it could definitely go either way. All right, so we have I have the Nuggets, you have the Suns, we both have the Lakers coming out of the other series. This to me is really difficult. Um I what are what are your thoughts on your Suns uh Lakers series? It's it's incredible to me that you know this would be the series that we got with Durant on the Suns and then the Lakers being there period if this happened. Um I honestly think, I mean, I, when I said this in the in my side of the pod, I believe it. But you can make an argument, besides the Celtics, even with the Celtics, that the Lakers team is the the deepest team in, in the playoffs. And I do find it hard to believe, for all the reasons we just said, that this Suns team is going to have much energy left. I, at some point, it has to stop. And I think because the Lakers are so deep, 
there's so many bodies that they can throw at Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. And beyond that, Anthony Davis is going to just eat DeAndre Ayton. I mean, so I think that the Lake It's I, the battle of the passive big right. right there. Just guys that hate playing in the paint. True. I, I can't believe this, but I think this was actually, to me, just as easy to pick the Celtics as it is in this. I mean, now the Nuggets in this series may make it a little different, although I think I'd still pick the Lakers, but... I honestly think the Lakers are the best team in the West right now. I, I do. Overall, I think they're the best team in the West. Yeah. It's crazy that we're at this point. They were like they were like 50 to 1 to make the finals like 3 months ago. Yeah. Like it, it the fact we're at this point is is nuts, but yeah, I mean I I think I would be like if if I had the Suns there, I think I would pick the Lakers too. I just think they're the more talented team. I think it's possible that LeBron and Davis are as good as Durant and Booker in a series, and if that's the case, then you know the other portion of the Lakers team is going to be better than Phoenix. So now now do I think LeBron is going to match Booker or Durant? Probably not. But if they can just keep that matchup close, then the, the supporting cast of the Lakers can pull through. I also think like having Vanderbilt, I just love the way that guy plays defensively. He's all over the place. You're not stopping Durant. Nobody can. He can at least probably make his life difficult out there. And then, yeah, you have Anthony Davis protecting the paint hopefully could force Booker into some tough mid-range jump shots rather than getting all the way to the rim. So yeah, I agree with you. I think if it gets to that point, I, I think I would favor the Lakers. With me, Nuggets versus uh, Lakers. Another one, I think it's pretty tough. I I think I would go Lakers. I, I don't know. I, I, I probably would tell you that the Nuggets are the best team in the West, but I just feel like the Lakers match up well against them. I think we saw that in 2020 in the bubble. Now, Jokic is probably a better player than he was then. The roster in Denver might be a little bit better. But Davis, if anybody can can guard him well, I think it's probably Anthony Davis. I like the, the guards that the Lakers have to score against Denver's guards. I think I think I would pick the Lakers to make the finals. Now, to me, that's like that's a seven game series. That's a toss up. Um, Jokic could definitely be the best player in that series, and if if Davis struggles to contain him, the Nuggets will probably win the series. But yeah, I think I think we both have the Lakers making the finals, which is kind of crazy. Well, it comes back to it's insane to say this because normally a team that has been together is a team that knows who they are, but I truly think the Lakers know who they are more than any other team right now. They know exactly what they're going to get from every single person on a night-to-night basis. And if they don't get it, then okay, they may, they may struggle. But then they even then you have, you know, Lonnie Walker can step up. You know, D'Angelo Russell was terrible last night. Well, Lonnie Walker plays well in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, I, I, I truly think that at this point, the Celtics and the Lakers have the best rosters in the NBA. Now, the Nuggets, like you said, might be more talented, but I don't, Trust Michael Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon. I just don't. And so I've seen more from the Lakers roster than I have them. And that's that's pretty insane to say, but something that I, I believe to this point. So, I mean, you know, the Nuggets, it's hard to tell. Their success against the Lakers was pretty good this year. They went 2-1. and one, um, But I don't really know. I think, it's like you say, it's just a toss-up once you get to the playoffs. And it would you'd have to see how it played out. Yeah, and... I don't like, does Aaron Gordon guard AD? Does Jokic guard AD? I don't, I mean, Gordon might be better against him, but then who is Jokic guard? Like, is, if you just play, like, the the Lakers lineup, if they play like Reeves, uh, 
Russell and Walker with LeBron and AD, like who is Jokic guarding? Is Jokic guarding LeBron? So they could put them in some difficult positions defensively because Davis, I think, is kind of the cheat code there where you Davis can play enough on the perimeter where you can't just put Jokic on him, but then Jokic could be put in some difficult situations. If Vanderbilt is playing, he probably just guards Vanderbilt and stands in the corner. But yeah, they, they could make them in some difficult matchups. So it'll be interesting that's, to see what That's the interesting happens. thing. That's, that's the chess piece is that you talked about Vanderbilt being able to, to guard you know whoever he wants. But I'm not sure you can play him because of the liability he is on offense. So he has a limited amount of playing time, which makes it more difficult to score because then you can hide somebody on him, but they're better offensively without him. So it's it's that's kind of what the yeah. Lakers are having to balance right now. I, I think he would play a lot more in the Phoenix series than the Denver series. I think it gets sure. Phoenix, you have to put him on Durant a lot yeah. and just like hope you can find enough offense. Um, unless LeBron, like I don't think LeBron is ready for Durant for seven games like that. I, I don't know that that would go very well. Um, but yeah, against the Nuggets, like they don't necessarily have that wing that you have to shut down. I mean, you might put them on MPJ, but I don't know. MPJ is much more of just like an off the catch, like maybe one dribble shoot guy. So I don't think you need Vanderbilt as much on him. I think they put Vanderbilt on Murray, but maybe, yeah, that's probably right. I guess they, they probably do just put him on Murray. He's so versatile. He probably can handle that. Um, but yeah, the, I, I, I definitely think you'll see the Lakers go small in this series if they, if they do play the Nuggets um, because th- they can, they can force some advantages pretty quickly out of that. Yeah. All right. So this makes it a little easier for us here to, to talk about the finals because we both did pick the Lakers to make the finals. We got, this would be crazy if it happens. Lakers Celtics. I think both these teams have the same amount of championships, right? So whoever wins would like have the all time NBA championships record for a team which would be a good storyline. Obviously, Lakers-Celtics one of like the great historical rivalries from the 80s. I'll go first. I picked the Celtics to win the finals going into the playoffs. I'm still there. I still think they're the best team. I think they have the deepest roster. I think especially when, when it's the Lakers here, they are able to match up pretty well against the Lakers. I think they can bother Davis with their two bigs. They have so many guys that can create offense and attack the rim that I think the Lakers would really struggle defensively. And guys like Russell or, you know, Reeves is not a terrible defender, but some of those guys I think could get hunted pretty easily, even Schroeder, because he's really small and the Celtics have a lot of bigger guys. So I would favor the Celtics in that series. I think that it would still be a good series. I'd probably say like Celtics in six. Um, But what are your thoughts on that finals? Well, like you said, I mean, for all that's gone on this season, all the parody, it would be hilarious if we get Lakers-Celtics in the finals. And it would be awesome. I mean, that's like my dream to get revenge on them, you know, for the last time we played them. So uh, it's tough because I hope everything you just said comes true, that the Celtics are the better team. You know, I really thought that after last finals that the Celtics would come into this season and be a much better, like, hardened, battle-tested playoff team that you could trust. And to me, they're worse at that than they were last year. Now, they obviously, they can prove me wrong by how they play against the Sixers in the closing games and then the Heat. But, oh, man. 
I I honestly would lean the Lakers. I and I, I know that's crazy to say, but the Celtics haven't shown me. The reason I would say that is because the Celtics have not shown me that Tatum and Brown are better than LeBron and AD. And then we've already talked about the roster thing. I think the if I'm the Lakers, I know that my stars are better than their stars. And I'm going to make Marcus Smart and Malcolm Brogdon and Derek White beat me. And if they can, great. You know, wow, good for the Celtics. But I think I would actually pick the Lakers in that series as much as it pains me. Now, this will, I'm also doing this because if the Celtics were to just kill them or win, I'm ecstatic to be wrong. But I genuinely think right now from what I've seen in the playoffs, the Lakers are the team that I trust more than any other team, which is crazy to say. Yeah. I mean, I think I think that's valid. Like, I I've been high on the Celtics the whole time, so like I I don't have like a huge reason to change that at this point. But yeah, I mean, just based off the playoffs, like you could definitely make an argument that they've they've looked to the best out of anybody so far. So I I think if we had done this podcast uh, a week ago, maybe when the Nuggets were up two zero, I think I would have hard, have a hard time picking against them. But they've. You know, they've shown some weaknesses. Now, granted, part of that's just because Durant and Booker have been so good. I, I think they they can make an argument to be the most complete team as well. But those three teams, I think, have separated themselves in terms of roster talent. Now, I, I was thinking about this. Would you say, true or false, there are four teams that can actually win the finals, and they are the Suns, the Nuggets, the Lakers, and the Celtics? Uh... I mean, I think if the Warriors find a way to come back, you have to include them. I, I really do. Now, I don't think that's going to happen, but if the Lakers are gone, then I'm not going to say the Warriors can't beat the Suns or the Nuggets. Um, but yes, if the Lakers, let's say the Lakers take care of the Warriors, then yeah. I mean, I as much as I like the Heat, I don't think that they, there's just no way. There's no way they, they win the finals. And then the Sixers, I, I just, I don't think they can. So I would say you're correct. Okay. Yeah, the Sixers to me is the big question there because yeah, like I was kind of eliminating the Warriors, like you said, um, but yeah, the, the Sixers to me is the big question there, and I think the one that people might have the most um, disputes about. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm a big Harden guy, but I don't, I don't want Harden to have to be the best player on this team, and that's kind of what it feels. Well, like to me, they're so. they're in a very similar position to where the Celtics were last year, where the Celtics somehow beat the Bucks in seven, right? And I think they were the better team. And then they got the Heat, who they were a better team than in the fi- in the conference finals. And if the Sixers can get past the Celtics, the Bucks of last season, then to me they should beat the Heat. But I am not going to pick the Sixers in the in the finals. I'm just not. I can tell you that right now. Yeah. That's that's where you can probably make the argument that they should be included is that they are two wins away from basically needing one series yeah. to to win the finals. But Still, I don't know. I just don't. I don't have full faith in that team. So, yeah, we'll see. Anything else you want to add before we before we wrap? No, I think we did a pretty good job. And you know, it is it is crazy that we could be wrong, but I do think the the picture is getting clearer and clearer towards you know two or three teams being what it's going to be. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think that shows you how much things can change. Because I mean, what what was your beginning of the playoffs i know you had the bucks what was your who was who did you have coming out of the west i think i had the suns yeah i think i had buck suns okay and yeah like i had i had celtic suns i'm now like obviously the bucks had you know the injury to Giannis and just the crazy series against the heat i'm now off the suns like i don't trust them as much as i did i, I feel like 
Booker and Durant have been better than I expected, but the team has been a lot worse than I expected, and especially without Chris Paul. And now the Lakers are in that position where it seems like they might be the best team. So yeah, things things can change pretty quickly in these playoffs. That's not really normal for the NBA, but that's kind of the position that we're in this year, which makes it really exciting to watch. But yeah, hopefully at least one of us can be right with our finals predictions. But all right, that's going to do it for today's episode. Uh, thanks, Clay, for for jumping on and talking about the playoffs. If you haven't already listened to part one of this two-part podcast, uh, I think most of the stuff we talked about on there will still hold up even if you listen to this part first. So go over, check out Clay's podcast as well. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.